Hi, this is Pastor Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for listening to our weekly audio sermons podcast. Duns Creek Baptist Church is a community alive by grace and known by love. We long to be a force for good here in Putnam County, Florida. You can learn more about us on the web by visiting dunscreekbaptist.org or visit us any Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for worship. Now please enjoy the message. We are in our final week of a sermon series that we have called White Noise. And the whole idea behind this sermon series, the kind of theme around this sermon series is that you and I have all kinds of white noise. We've got background noise. We've got distractions in our lives. And that white noise comes in all types of forms, but the reality for us is that we are so often distracted from being the people that we want to be, the people that God has called us to be, and we have so often been distracted from living in the blessing that God intends to give. And so the idea behind this sermon series is that we would focus on prayer primarily because we believe that prayer is the antidote to the white noise of our lives. Prayer is the antidote to all that noise, to all those distractions. It's how we get quiet enough to hear the voice of God because the distractions in our lives scream. The white noise in our life, it screams for our attention and our obedience. And yet God whispers. So prayer is how we get quiet enough to hear the voice of God. And as we talked about in the first week of this sermon series, that is so important to us. It's crucial to us because the voice that you believe will determine the future you experience. The voice that you believe, the voice that you obey, the voice that gets your attention will determine the future you experience. And so what we believe is that prayer allows us to hear the voice of God. And as we talked about last week, prayer does more than that. Because prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. And so often I think our tendency is to pray that God would take us out of the circumstances and situations in our lives. So often we find ourselves driven to prayer, not because it's a consistent spiritual habit for us or it's a spiritual discipline. We find ourselves driven to prayer when the circumstance is ugly and the situation is bad. And now we're praying and our prayers sound a lot like, God, take me out of the circumstance. God, change the situation. And often, Jesus is going, no. The prayer is that you would be changed in the middle of the circumstance. The prayer is that you would be transformed in the middle of that circumstance. And so today, as we conclude the sermon series, I want to focus on what I believe is such a powerful aspect of prayer, and it's what we've been participating in as a church. We've, we've already been participating in this for the last two weeks, and there's still a week to go. So Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m., we're going to be right here in this room. 
And there's going to be people, and what we're going to do is the same thing we're going to do at the end of the service today. We're going to pray for others. We're going to pray for other people's needs. We're going to pray for other people's circumstance. We're going to pray for other people's situations. We are going to intercede. And the reason that we believe intercession is so important. The reason we believe praying for others, lifting others up in prayer is so crucial to us and to our understanding of God and to our understanding of what prayer is and how prayer can impact our lives is because we were taught intercession by Jesus. So let me, let's, let's backtrack if we will. Let's go back to sometime between the year 27 and 32 right outside of the city of Jerusalem. It's a spring evening. The people of Israel have gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And Jesus and his closest followers have just finished the Passover Seder meal, which is a three-hour highly ritualized meal that is shared together in honor of the Passover. And after Jesus and his closest followers have had this meal and Jesus has said things to them that concerned them, he's said things to them that confuse them, he's said things to them that scare them, and he's said things to them that give them hope. Jesus has essentially just told his followers, I'm about to die. And by this time tomorrow, Jesus' lifeless body will be inside of a tomb. And at the end of this meal, Jesus and his followers leave the upper room where they had celebrated this Passover Seder, and they begin walking through the vineyards in the Kidron Valley to the east of the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus is teaching them, he's talking to them, And they ultimately arrive at a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, who has just told all of his followers that he is about to die, prays. And in John's Gospel, in John 17, we hear the words that Jesus prayed the night before he went to the cross and died. Here's what's amazing about Jesus' prayer. Jesus, the night before he is going to suffer a brutal death for us, prays for us. Jesus, the night before he goes to the cross, prays for his disciples. And here's what's incredible. Jesus, the night before he dies on the cross, prays for you and for me. Beginning in John 17, verse 6, this is what we read in the prayer of Jesus. I have manifested your name. He's speaking to God the Father. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. 
Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Think about what Jesus is praying All of those circumstances, all of those situations that we pray, God, get me out of this. Think about what Jesus prays. Jesus prays, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. But that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Sanctify is a spiritual word that means set them apart. Purify them, make them holy, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only. Now listen to what Jesus prays here. Jesus is praying for his disciples, for his living followers that are there with him right at that moment. And then he says, I'm not just praying this prayer for these few, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Do we grasp this? Jesus is about to die on the cross and Jesus prayed for you. And what did he pray? He prayed that your joy would be fulfilled. He prayed that you would be protected from the evil one. He did not pray that you would be taken out of your circumstance or situation, but he prayed that you would be joy-filled in living on purpose and on mission in the middle of it. And he prayed that they may all be one, unified. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. He's praying Holy Spirit presence over us. Jesus is praying that you and I would be filled 
with the Holy Spirit the night before he goes to the cross and dies. For what purpose? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus, the night before he is about to suffer, Jesus, the night before he is about to fulfill his purpose, his calling, the whole reason he was sent to this earth, the whole reason all of that is going on. And when Jesus is faced, he's up front with everything that's about to happen. And what does he do? He prays for us. Jesus prayed for you. And he didn't stop there. It'd be one thing the night before all of this happened. It would be one thing just hours, just moments before the Roman guards come in with the chief priest and arrest Jesus. It's going to be moments before this happens. And Jesus is praying for us. And it would be easy for us to go, of course, because nothing has really happened yet. Jesus knows everything that's about to happen, but it really hasn't gotten ugly yet. Except the next day, after he's been beaten, after he's carried on his bloodied back the wooden cross up the hill called Golgotha, and after the Roman guard have pierced his hands and feet to place him on the cross, as he is hanging there in agony, he prays again. And he doesn't pray, Father, this hurts too much. Make it stop. He doesn't pray, this is unbearable, Jesus, God, Father, please make it stop. This is what he prays from the cross. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You get this? Jesus is praying for us. And from the cross, Jesus prayed forgiveness over you. From the cross, it's not just the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us and purified us. Jesus has actually prayed forgiveness over us. And this is what we read in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed for you. From the cross, Jesus prayed for you. And three days later, when he was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and through his blood, we now have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We now have the indwelling presence of God living within us. And what does the very presence of God do within us? He prays for you. 
Jesus is still praying for you. We've been coming together every, every weekday for an hour to pray and lift up these prayer requests. And can I tell you that all we've done is we've taken an hour to say, I'm going to come along the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to come alongside of Jesus and pray, but I'm just going to pray because God hasn't stopped praying the whole time. Your whole life, Jesus has been praying for you. So when we pray for each other, when we lift each other up in prayer, here's what we're doing. We're just joining in the work of God. And we may do it for a moment, or we may do it for an hour, or you may do it for whatever length of time, but everything you're doing, you're not suddenly moving God into this place of prayer. You're just joining Him in the work he's already doing because he has never ceased interceding for you. If our title as Christian, and by the way, it's, it's an easy thing for us to forget. Christian was not a word that, that came from Jesus' lips. Christian was an insult Christian was an insult that was applied to the followers of Jesus in the city of Antioch. It wasn't something the church came up with. It was the people in Antioch that couldn't believe the self-sacrificial way this group of people was loving each other. They were loving each other to the point of great personal cost. And the world around them went, y'all are crazy. Y'all are nuts. You want to be just like that person you follow. Remember the one the Romans crucified? You want to be just like him. That's where the term Christian comes from. It just means Christ-like. They were making fun of the followers of Jesus and saying, you want to be just like him. We do. We want to be like Jesus. And if we want to be like Jesus, we've got to learn to pray like Jesus and when Jesus prays, Jesus intercedes. When the Holy Spirit prays, the Holy Spirit intercedes. And so intercession is just this word. It's just kind of Christianese word. And here's what it means. Intercession means I'm going to go to battle on your behalf. Intercession means I'm going to stand in the gap and do for you what you may not be able to do on your own. So when we come together and we lift up prayer requests together, when we say, hey, I don't even know who this person is, but this is what's going on in their life right now, and this is the prayer that they've requested, I'm going to lift them up in prayer. All you're doing is praying like Jesus. You're praying like the Holy Spirit. You're saying, I want to learn to pray like God, and when God prays, God intercedes. Which is why, about a decade later, the brother of Jesus, the brother of Jesus named James, the brother of Jesus who did not believe his brother was the Messiah, the brother of Jesus who thought his brother was kind of nuts. But it begs the question, what would your brother have to do to convince you he was the son of God. 
And after the resurrection, James goes from a non-believing brother of a person he thought was a crazy man to one of the leaders in the church because James saw his brother die. And then James walked with his living brother again. And so James, the brother of Jesus, becomes an early leader in the church. And about 10 years later, the church is facing its first real uh, crisis. It's facing its real tough situation. Suddenly, there are people all throughout the Roman Empire that want to put an end to this movement. And since this is kind of a multi-ethnic, multi-racial movement, the only way they know to begin is is to begin persecuting Jews in and around Jerusalem. So the Jewish Christians there in Jerusalem are essentially scattered out. And James writes a letter to them about how to live in the middle of this circumstance. He does not pray that their circumstance would change. He does not pray their situation would change. He prays in the middle of your circumstance. This is how we live. And in James chapter 5, he writes these words. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, you may be here today and you may go, yeah, Rob, that sounds great, but I don't know if you want me praying over a prayer request because I'm not a righteous person. And can I just tell you, I'm not either, at least on my own, because I know me. I see in the mirror all the things you see in the mirror. I'm not righteous because of what I've done. I'm not righteous because of how good or moral I am. I am righteous because of what Jesus has prayed over So the same forgiveness and healing that is available to me in the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness that Jesus prayed over us is available to you. And so if you have come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous. And your prayer has great power. Intercession works wonders. And here's one of the reasons that I know this. Can I just tell you the power that we've experienced in the last two weeks as we've been praying together, faithfully lifting up the prayers of the church? I got to tell you, there's, there's a few things I immediately noticed. So one, I just started reaching out to people in our church and I just said, hey, how can I be praying for you? And then I was like, well, Forget just making it people in our church. Let me, let me just put it out on Facebook. Hey, how can I be praying for you today? 
And the number of people every single day that was like, hey, here, here's what you can pray for. Here's what you can pray for. Here's what you can pray for. And, and so what we started doing is that every day when we got together, we just added a new slide full of prayer requests on our screen. And so for an hour, we just have slide after slide after slide of prayer requests coming in. And here's what began to happen. As we kept praying faithfully for all of those prayer requests, we began to see prayers answered. And so every time on one of those slides where we had a prayer request answered, we didn't go in and delete the prayer request. We just went in and wrote answered prayer. And over the weeks that we've gathered together, here's what we've seen. We've seen more and more slides fill up with answered prayer, answered prayer, answered prayer. Because intercession works wonders. There is power when we come together and pray, if we will come together and pray like Jesus. If we will come together and say, God, you already know. God, you already know my needs. God, you already know all the stuff going on in my life. So God, I don't need to to just go on and on and on about all of my needs because you're already aware. You're already my father. You already know what I need. So God, I'm going to devote this time instead of praying for me and all the things I want and all the things I need, God, I'm going to devote this time to praying for others. Because God, I want to learn to pray like you. So here's what I want to challenge us to do as we close this sermon series. We're going to continue. We're going to have a whole another week of praying every day from five to six o'clock. And we're just going to come together and we're going to lift up prayer requests. And I believe that we're going to see more and more prayers go from here's the prayer request to answered prayer. But I don't want it to stop in these three weeks. I don't want this focus on prayer to stop with our 21 days of prayer. I want us to be a people who are focused on praying like Jesus. So let's pray like Jesus. Let's intercede. Let's lift each other up. Let's pray for one another. Because here's the other thing that I've seen happen as people have been coming in faithfully and praying for others. As I pray for you, my heart is torn, is, is turned towards you. As I pray for you, as I lift you up in prayer, my heart is moved towards you. The more I pray for you, the more I find myself loving you and caring for you and rooting for you and not wanting to just stop with here's the one prayer request, but it's the more I want to be involved and engaged in your life, the more I want to just say, hey, how can, so here's the need here, how can we be praying for that? But hey, that connects to this and this and this, and here's what that's going to mean for your life, and here's what that situation's going to look like, and that circumstance is going to look like, and if I can pray for that and for that and for that, next thing you know, I am engaged in a part of your life. What would it look like for the church to pray like that and then to live like that.